Hello there, and welcome back to the Meaningful Media Podcast. Here at Have Us Media, we talk about meaningful media as trusted, influential, and engaging. How does the art behind the science of data create meaningful media experiences? Helping us to understand the fusion of art and science that powers the very best media experience and the massive potential of data-driven storytelling to create amazing outcomes for brands is a very special guest and the perfect person to help us do this. Introducing Melissa Furs, Senior Global Director of Customer Science at LinkedIn. Melissa, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks, Ben. I'm delighted to be here. Good day to you. Good day to you. You are based uh, You are based in the US, I believe. That's correct. I'm based in the wonderful city of New York. So do you mind telling us a little bit about your journey and your role today? Yeah, thanks, Ben. Well, I guess I've always been fascinated by the intersection of data analytics and human behavior, um, really because this is critical to understanding the world around us and, of course, making sense of the future. Um, but really, that started for me pretty early, and it's really what led me to study economics and marketing at university. So now when I look back at the past 20 years, I see that the common thread across my career has been working at the intersection of these two disciplines. So on the one hand, they both speak to business and commerce, and on the other hand, they're both about exploring what motivates human behavior, whether that's at a micro level or a macro level. So over the years, I've had a lot of different roles, Ben. I've worked as an economist, a demographer, an investigator. I even once led a team focused on the Internet of Things for a European airport business. But while I've had lots of different roles, they've always been about helping companies grow their business. And really, that's what brought me to LinkedIn, because here I get to do that, but on a global scale. I lead our customer science organization. It's part of our marketing solutions business, and we're a global team. And our role is to equip our advertising customers with intelligence, intelligence that helps them grow their business and their brand. And of course, we do that by bringing together our economic graph. We bring together our industry partners and, of course, our marketing specialists. And in this work, I'm lucky that I get to partner with B2B companies because Mm -hmm. I believe that B2B companies are amongst some of the most important in the world. So can you unpack that for us a little bit more? Tell us a bit more about those the capabilities of, of you and your team that you developed. Well, our team is a multidiscipline team. And so we comprise of marketing strategists, planners, researchers, content solutions specialists, uh, customer solutions engineers, insights analysts, program managers, and measurement specialists. At LinkedIn, we have a global network of 950 million members. We have more than 65 million companies on our platform. And so we actually sit at a pretty unique space when it comes to understanding what's happening in the professional world. So what we do is we harness all of our first-party data and signals across our platform. We generate insights about professional communities, about buyers, about channels, markets, content, and industries. We also partner with industry experts to create evidence-backed research on the laws of B2B marketing. What's been your experience of this evolution of the media landscape? Yeah, I mean, the media landscape, as I'm sure you're acutely familiar with, has uh, really gone through so many paradigm shifts in the past 20 years. I guess the shifts that have impacted my career the most are around digital transformation and the data revolution. Both of these shifts really brought about the rise of digital marketing and big data. And of course, we're forever changed by it, as is my career. So you mentioned the phrase B2B, business to business, and the opposite of that, or 
not the opposite, as we'll get into, uh, something that's very similar, is B2C, business to consumer. Can you unpack those two terms, what they what they mean and the sort of difference between them? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much, Ben. So um, I mentioned I work with B2B companies, and these are really the companies that actually provide the capabilities that power all companies in the world, right, in terms of uh, the products that we use day-to-day in our working world, whether that is HR systems, cloud solutions, project management tools as examples. And these are uh, these are companies that are really fueling the global economy, which is why I believe they're so important. In the B2C context, this relates to uh, our individual consumption choices and decisions that we make as consumers. Right? And that covers a multitude of products across many different industries. But when we think about the differences and what's in common between B2C marketing and B2B marketing, the thing that we uh, like to encourage uh, a deeper understanding of is the difference in how buying decisions are made in B2C versus B2B. In a B2B context, these are high consideration purchases. They typically have much longer sales cycles and often involve much larger buying committees because, of course, the stakes are much higher in a B2B uh, purchase decision. The cost is often a lot higher. Uh, The decisions impact a much larger group of folks beyond yourself as the individual consumer. But crucially, those buyers are still consumers, right? They're still people. That's right. Thanks, Ben. There's uh, so much uh, richness for marketeers to look across both of these landscapes when we think about who it is that we're trying to target, reach, engage, and of course, convert through the purchase cycle, right? What we see at LinkedIn is that B2B marketing is going through a renaissance right now. So in terms of some of the shifts that we're seeing in the B2B space, there's three things I think are particularly interesting around content, branding, and creative. So when it comes to content, what we're seeing is a shift away from rational product-based B2B advertising, and instead we're seeing a move towards more emotional, human-centered, and more storyful advertising in B2B. So we're very focused on helping B2B brands really embrace these shifts. And one way we're doing that is Um, our new ad formats called Thought Leader Ads. And what this format allows brands to do is actually sponsor a post that comes from individual employees and executives because this really gives brands new opportunities to tell their stories, but through the voices of employees and their experiences. Uh, The second shift that we're seeing in B2B is around branding, right? In a recent uh, B2B marketing benchmark report we did, We actually spoke to 1,500 B2B leaders across the globe. And what we found is that B2B organizations are actually increasingly recognizing the importance of brand. We found that six out of 10 B2B marketing leaders say that their C-suite has increased the importance of brand building given the economic conditions. And the third shift, Ben, is around creativity in B2B. And this is one I'm particularly excited about. What we see is that B2B marketeers are actually championing bolder and more creative tactics in B2B than ever before. And a research supports that it shows that 50% of B2B marketing leaders say it's actually their biggest priority. I think it's an exciting time to be in B2B marketing right now. So let's talk particularly about empathy. We talked about the definitions B2C, B2B. And the fact that these are these are people, these are consumers, and you expanded on how some of the, the traditional B two C marketing methods, those traditional kind of connections, yeah. uh, were coming to B two B, and your your data driven work was was enabling that. What about emotional connectivity? Does that matter? Kind of suggests like it does. 
I believe it matters a lot. Um, a really key insight in the B2B marketing space is that the biggest anxiety for decision makers is actually about making a mistake, right? They want confidence that yeah. their decision is not a risky one, right? And that's one of the biggest drivers of a B2B purchase. So the social and emotional consequences of making a bad professional decision are much worse than missing out on future improvements. And so this is where B2B marketeers can bring empathy to how they connect with B2B buyers, mm. right? In many cases, B2B buying decisions actually might require more emotional investment given that buyers have to decide on behalf of their companies and they spend much more time evaluating options than they would in a B2C context. There's just frankly a lot more at stake buying a B2B product that your employees will use and that your stakeholders will assess than there is snagging toothpaste for yourself at the supermarket. Uh, but if I speak more broadly, Ben, uh, emotional connectivity matters because the job of advertising is to lodge an idea and its associated product within the long-term storage system of the brain. Mm -hmm. right? And this is, of course, so that that memory can be retrieved when that buyer enters the market for any given product. So to do this, we need to actually persuade the brain to actually want to store that memory. That's the gating system. Mm -hmm. And there's been a lot written about how our brains are actually incredibly resistant to that exact task. That's why advertisers use recognizable brand codes and brand assets, catchphrases and brand mascots, so that they can essentially hit, uh, hack the hippocampus where the storage takes place. So Ben, that's why emotional connection matters. It's what helps create memories and that's the job of advertising. Because at the end of the day, our brains are still the very best search engines. So if you are a brand that comes easily to mind, then you are easy to find. Or another way to say that is that the brand that gets remembered is the brand that gets bored. Interesting, beautifully put. And you focused us earlier on the, the importance of, of reputation, of, of brand building for B2C, because trust is is so important. Uh, we find from our Meaningful Brand survey that uh, the, the trust uh, that, uh, that folks have for a brand, how they view it against collective, functional and personal benefits. Personal is incredibly important. Collective, important as well. And uh, over time, there's been a, a shift given the economic conditions at present, but uh, personal connection with a brand, personal trust for a mm. brand is so important. And I think your, your brilliant intellectual founding on that is do not neglect that, understand that in this new world of, of uh, B2B marketing. Do you, think it's, do you think it's fair to call it a new world of, of B2B marketing? It sounds quite, sounds like there's, there's a real shift in thinking here and, and, and that's kind of the thinking that you're leading. Yeah, that's right, Ben. I think there's just some wonderful changes happening in the B2B space. If you cast your mind back to the days of very dense, heavy, feature-led white papers, as an example, you know, those days are increasingly in the rearview mirror. There's so much great understanding that actually behavioral science plays a critical role in how receptive we are to marketing messages. And that's true whether we are in our professional lives or not, and whether we are making a purchase decision on behalf of our companies or ourselves. So I do think it's a massive step change and we're seeing more of our customers embracing emotion in their campaign. So for example, in our own data, it shows that brands that harness emotion in their ads acquired 
on average, 198 times more followers than other companies wow. on LinkedIn. Right? That's incredible. And that's really just one data point. And all I want to share here is um, to illustrate that creative that resonates emotionally with your target audience is what can boost the results of your campaign. So I really think there's a clear opportunity for B2B marketeers here to really embrace emotion in their ads. And that's very true in a B2B context. Fascinating. The importance of that of that personal element, that personal connection, again, going back to our Meaningful Brand Survey, coming through in, in your work and, and your research and the experience on the platform. So we're really talking about storytelling right and and I, I think to to maybe bring all of this together is to is to think about the importance of storytelling yeah ben i think you know for my team certainly everything we do today is really about equipping customers with insights that gives them confidence right confidence to make the best marketing decisions for their business and so this is where data-driven storytelling is so important in our team we never only provide statistics or a framework or analysis mm. Rather, what we're trying to do is paint a picture of what growth could look like for our customers if they take certain actions or make certain optimizations or make investment choices now that we believe will pay dividends in the long term. And of course, making any investment decision takes courage and it takes confidence. And so stories about future outcomes can be really powerful to help build confidence. And it's not just the stories that we tell our customers, Ben. We also advise B2B marketers to embrace storytelling in their advertising as one of the most powerful ways to build their brand, right? And the reason that we believe that's so critical is that in B2B, with lengthy sales cycles, the reality is that most customers are not even in the market at any given time. Uh, the research from our think tank, the B2B Institute, actually reveals that 95% of your potential B2B buyers aren't ready to buy today. Rather, these 95% of buyers are what we call out-market today. And so that means you really need to prime them for the future when they do enter the market. And the most effective way to prime them is to build memory structures so that your brand comes to mind when they do enter the market. And of course, the best way to build memories, as we talked about earlier, is through storytelling. B2B marketers are now understanding the importance of storytelling. In our B2B marketing benchmark report, we found that 43% of B2B marketing leaders actually say that storytelling will be one of the most important future skills for their marketing team. So I think this is really promising, Ben. Fascinating insight. Thank you. Uh, and you know, again, focusing on uh, storytelling needs to be data driven uh, <laughs> and uh, the stories that we tell through data as well. Uh, can help us be better marketeers. So let's deep dive a little bit into some metrics and practitioner tips. Can you talk about some of the metrics you use for data-driven storytelling and maybe provide some kind of frameworks and guidelines for, for our listeners? Thanks, Ben. Well, I'll start with a bit of context. I think you know this. Uh, in B2B, we actually see a huge opportunity for B2B marketeers to embrace a full funnel approach to measurement, right? And importantly, to tie marketing metrics to business outcomes. So for example, we find that often bottom of the funnel lead generation gets all the attention from a measurement standpoint. And it's likely no surprise because metrics are easily available and can be captured in the short term. But in the B2B context, right, where the buying committee is large and the sales cycles are longer than in B2C, 
outcomes are achieved over a longer term horizon. And because of that, they require different metrics. So because of this challenge, we recently launched something called our CMO scorecard. And in this, we've distilled decades of marketing effectiveness research to identify the creative and the media principles that drive business outcomes. So creative media outcomes, we think neatly ties to the acronym CMO. Fascinating. So what this, thank you. So what the scorecard is, is a framework that helps our customers prove the business impact of brand investments. And it also benchmarks their performance against a competitive set. So for us, this has really been about introducing brand advertising metrics that we believe matter in a B2B context. So the the great thing about this work is that we assess a whole host of metrics that are helpful indicators of brand health beyond traditional metrics. For example, if we just look at measures around creative, we have developed metrics that allow us to measure attention, brand attribution, and linkage. So we look at things like dwell time, right? We use that as a proxy for attention because we know that attention correlates to more sales. We also measure the fame and distinctiveness of our customers' brand assets because we know that a brand that is remembered is a brand that gets bored. And we also look at things like share of voice or keyword density, right? So that we can identify the concentration of key terms to assess if a marketing message is resonating with buyers. And we do that because we know that linking your messaging to buying situations is what increases acquisition and retention. So I share this just to reinforce the importance of a measurement framework to evaluate meaningful media. Um, So if you look at just one simple metric like dwell time, this one simple metric can help B2B marketeers measure which media experiences capture attention and which ones don't. So quite simply, this helps our customers know what is good creative to invest in and what is bad creative to divest from. Really interesting stuff. So one of the things you focused on us on is B2B sales cycles are longer and that there are fewer sales uh, sometimes because there are uh, these are much bigger single value sales um, with, with long life cycles. So there's a, a real lack of data um, uh, and uh, not so much on the sort of lower funnel metrics for optimization. But beyond that, what you're doing is you're, you're establishing um, verified proxy measures uh, that connect to the brand itself, but also the uh, the performance uh, of the of the sale, and all of these are uh, you know you, you drew us to that. All of these focus on media experience. You know uh, how, how do folks feel about the brand? How's their media experience? How is that driving uh, the, uh, the the share of uh, the share of uh, headspace that you talked about earlier? And you mentioned the CMO scorecard. How can folks get hold of that? If you go onto our B two B Institute website or check out LinkedIn ads website, you can find some of our latest research, including information about the CMO scorecard. Fascinating stuff. Do check that out. Melissa, we talk about media experiences uh, here. It's kind of our, our language for understanding how consumers feel about media, uh, how they experience media, the media that's important to them. Can you talk about some of the best media experiences that you've seen on LinkedIn and those that you've worked with your team to develop? Maybe you might want to give a little bit of guidance to our our marketeers who listen on the way they can apply some of the work that you've been talking about to the platform itself. Absolutely. 
Um, so I mentioned earlier that one of the shifts we're seeing in B2B is actually B2B marketers championing bolder and more creative tactics in B2B campaigns than before. And so these tend to be the ones that are certainly most memorable for me, but that we also see performing really well in terms of engagement and in terms of conversion. Uh, I'll offer a couple of examples um, of different companies that I believe are doing a great job painting on the LinkedIn canvas, right? These are examples of companies that have strong engagement, are creating strong attention, and of course, because of those things, creating strong marketing outcomes. So one of our customers is a marketing automation and email platform. Their Their campaigns are always highly recognizable and memorable. They use a lot of eye-catching imagery. They push the edge of B2B creativity and they try something bold and unexpected. They use bold color palettes. They use strong copy and they marry that with strong social points. And so that's why their ads are always standing out. Another great example is a graphic design platform. They use highly visual language on the platform. And what I love is they use storytelling through very short simple to understand videos and we know just how powerful videos have become in a b2b context and importantly what they do really well is they show how companies and their their products can resolve a pain point a lot of their videos show real teams brainstorming or designing social posts and they show them doing that anywhere in the world on the run they also show how teams can wow the crowds with amazing presentations. And they do all of this in short six to 15 second videos, which is proving extremely successful. Uh, other examples that are particularly memorable are those that will evoke emotion with humor and bring some authenticity with some team voices. Uh, one of our customers is a PR and communication services company, super small and, and a boutique, but they use a lot of short uh, form videos to share I guess, humorous, awkward office moments, right? And they, <laughs> what they do is they cleverly turn these awkward moments into uh, moments in a team meeting that their products could help you avoid and their services can prevent from happening. Um, but all of these examples are you know, B2B marketeers who are doing fresh new thinking with bold creative, bringing human voices, empathy, they're bringing storyfulness, they're bringing... Uh, authenticity to the forefront i love that these are great examples and i love these as uh, as media experiences you know as you said they're uh, they're fun they're they're visual they're video they're they're something that more traditionally using that word under advisement more traditionally we might have associated with with b2c and and obviously linkedin a unique platform uh, to, to to drive that kind of engagement and have that kind of experience We finish every episode of the Meaningful Media podcast on the Meaningful Media Fast Five. Uh, are, you, are you ready to do your Fast Five? I am ready, Ben. They Thank can't, you. They can't all be LinkedIn, although I would understand that. So what's your Meaningful Media right now? Uh, I have a few. Um, in fast order, Marketing Week, right? Some great voices. A couple of my awesome colleagues have a column there now. Uh, the Marketing Brew. Again, super strong perspectives, uh, always fun read. Uh, the LinkedIn Collective, okay, I'll just leave it there. They want to plug us. Uh, the you Economist can, you plug, plug, is another. Plug away, plug away. LinkedIn Collective, check it out. <laughs> yeah, the LinkedIn Collective. Um, specifically why I love it is that actually it's a, increasingly a surface and a place for our customers to come and share their perspectives, their industry views. And so that just broadens 
our perspectives and what's happening in the marketplace, and I just adore that. Uh, the Economist, uh, for me, this is just so well-written, super compelling. I will say it's often uh, a lot denser than what uh, other media I'm reading right now, and uh, so I typically save that for airport journeys. Mm-hmm. Um, love love that uh, you snuck in you snuck in three but uh, I, I, I look I you know love the fact that you um, you consume a lot of media so what's the media you start your day with? Oh, this will be no surprise. I start with LinkedIn. Uh, I have a global team as I shared, um, and so for me, there's always something happening across uh, the team. There's something to new to learn from my network in the marketing community more broadly, there's always something that sparks a thought for the day. And so I tend to start there, uh, right, very quickly followed by the New York Times to see what's happening in the world. Love that. What media do you turn to when you're looking to get inspired? One of my favorite websites, Ben, is actually called uh, Information is Beautiful. And it's actually a data visualization website. Um, so that's pretty telling about me. I really am <laughs> I an that. analytics nerd at heart. Um, but really, honestly, it kind of reminds me why I'm in this role. When I go to the site, there's always something curious to explore. Uh, there's incredible contributions from so many different uh, parties. And they always bring a really different lens to think about the world around us and how to represent it in unique ways. So for me, it really is a, a taking a pause to just stay in a curious state. Often I'll read or see something that I hadn't thought about before, and you can see some pretty powerful data visualizations on topics from the most beautiful news of the year uh, to renewable energy rates across the globe. And it always just leaves me feeling interested, curious, and inspired. Uh, the second thing that I would love to share, I think it's so important right now to get some positivity in your life, is something called the good newsnetwork.org, right? This is a website that shares a lot of just really great positive stories that are happening across the world, across such a range of topics. So for me, uh, that gives me a little pep in my steps so that I can face the day with positivity. Love it. The first the first time we've had a data person really talk about being inspired by data, inspired by new ways of visualizing data. And and uh, a lot of those visualizations, of course, are themselves telling stories. So refocusing us on that, I Love it. So what's your media guilty pleasure? Uh, Number one is a podcast called uh, The Serial Series. If you know this from This American Life, uh, just incredible, completely addicted. The other is uh, called Smartless. uh, And it's because I love Jason Bateman, uh, (laughs) Sean Hayes and Will Arnett. They're amazing. It's light. It's fun. It's smart, conversational fodder. And I just love it. I love that. Absolutely love that. And Serial, of course, um, you just, just sort of defined how podcasts could be so successful and, um, uh, you know, real challenge to, to linear audio and a new, something new in their own right. So, um, yeah, Serial, if you haven't checked it out. So this is the challenging one. Uh, you can have one media platform. We'll, we'll, give, we'll throw in LinkedIn. You get to keep LinkedIn, but you can have one media platform for the rest of your life as well as LinkedIn. Which one is it and why? Oh, okay. Well, I'm glad we got LinkedIn in. That's definitely number one. But outside of that, I would say Apple TV because interesting. Ted Lasso, say no more. Uh, but of course, many uh, much more great programming uh, aside from Ted. And why Apple TV? Not not sort of Paramount Plus or, or something like that. Is it just is it is it is it Ted 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 Lasso Lasso for the win or 
Is there is there anything else? I mean, are you do, do you sort of like do you have the Apple Apple TV? Like how 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 locked into you are you to that ecosystem? Ah, oh, get this then. I'm actually Android all the way. This is my <gasps> one. Da, 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 breaking space. news. <laughs> we, we, we did breaking it. News. This is the one space uh, that I lean in on Apple. Wow. Okay. So, uh, and Android for the hardware, but you, the, the the Apple content speaks for itself. So. Uh, that was super interesting. Thank you so much for your time today and thank you for your meaningful media. Thank you, Ben. And thanks to you and your incredible uh, followership. These podcasts are so important, always incredibly smart, thoughtful, uh, really enjoy them. Oh, we really so appreciate much. that. Well, it's the guests that make it, but, that was, <laughs> but that, that, was, that was amazing. Thank you very much. That's a great place to finish. Unfortunately, that's all we've got time for on today's episode. A big thanks to my fantastic guest for joining me and thanks to everyone for tuning in. We'd love to hear from you and your thoughts on all things meaningful media, the media that matters. Drop us a mail at podcast at havasmg.com. That's podcast at havasmg.com. Please do subscribe, like, and share the Meaningful Media podcast on your preferred platform so you don't miss any of our episodes. You can follow us on our socials, all addresses in the show notes. Once again, Thanks. Join me, Ben Downing, soon for more perspectives on Meaningful Media.